Okay, we start. Good evening. So I saw, saw an interesting uh, article, uh, so actually a class by Rabbi Yitzchak Meir Morgenstern. He writes a uh, weekly, uh, his books, and he writes a weekly article, De'ah Chochmah I didn't know his name because it only says Al Rebbe in our... I asked my brother, who is this guy? I keep looking for him. Who he is? So he starts basically on Parshat Lech Lecha. And we see that this week we read Parshat Lech Lecha. We're introduced to Abraham. And the first thing we're introduced to Abraham is God tells Abraham, Lech Lecha. Go, how do you want to translate it? Go to yourself. Because Lecha, if we're going to translate it in English, is go to you. Now we use it as, I guess, an idiom that says, okay, go. But lech lecha, go either for yourself or to yourself. The question is, what does it mean? So he says that, that the etz the, 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 the tree of life, and the secrets of the Torah are hidden and difficult for a person to attain in this lifetime. He said, and they're guarded by a revolving sword. We read in Bereshit that there's cherubs with, uh, with revolving swords that keep you out. The revolving sword represents, based on the, on the Zohar, all the numerous levels and contradictory concepts which confuse the seeker. It says, because of everything that's going on, it's difficult to figure out what is going on. And it's difficult to make use of the tree of life. It says that we have to understand when we get to a fork in the road, sometimes we push too quickly and we're not patient. He says that a person has to be patient and ask for help. He quotes a pasuk from Iyov, and the pasuk basically says, wait for me a little and I will tell you. Okay, so wait a while and you'll hear the words from God. One who wishes to feel a connection to Hashem, he has to wait patiently. The importance of patience is emphasized in the Gemara. There's a statement by Rav Ada Bar Ahava. And it's interesting how sometimes the Gemara will tell you a story, which is a crazy story, which you'll remember because it's a crazy story. But we remember the story and we forget the lesson. So the story the Gemara tells you is that this rabbi, Rav Ada, he saw in a, woman, he saw in a marketplace... A woman wearing a garment that was forbidden. She wasn't allowed to wear. The rabbi said no woman could wear this garment. So what did he do? He walked over to her and he said, Don't you know? We said no woman could wear this. And he tore it off of her. <clears throat> Turns out, she wasn't Jewish. So she wasn't governed by that law. So he got taken to court and he had to pay her. And her name was Matun. Matun in Hebrew is patience, he says. So he says, what does he say? He had to pay her 400 zoos, 400 whatever. So he says in the Gemara, Matun, Matun, patience, patience, it's worth 400 zoos. So the lesson the rabbis are trying to teach is that a person sometimes in life has to be patient and has to look for help instead of trying to, to run through. Rashi explains that had he declared that, that if he had only enough patience to verify who she was before he acted, he would have saved 400 zoos instead of shaming this woman publicly, which he wasn't allowed to do. It says one reason why patience is required <coughs> uh, is order, in, in order to, ha- to, have, to, to try to begin to understand the divine, he says, the confusion inherent in the higher spiritual levels. 
at every instant you have various names of Hashem which are exercising some level of energy on our world. And because of that, we could get confused. The Vilna Gaon explains, there's no way to possibly speak of the feeling of connection imparted to one who experiences a certain spiritual level because there are so many levels. And he says, each person grasps the level on their own way with their own wavelength. <clears throat> each of us has a different connection and a different way to connect. We know that the rabbis tell us that the reward for someone who does something that he's commanded to do is very different than the reward of someone who's not commanded to do it. We would think, if I don't ask someone to do something, then, and he does it, we should reward him greater, more. But the rabbis say, no. If you're commanded, it's a greater reward. Why? Because when you're commanded to do it, the evil inclination is pushing you not to. So it becomes more of a challenge. The Zohar talks about it in terms of reaching the levels which they call, they call moving up from, from Arich Ampin to Antik Ampin. Basically, these are sort of the Pasuf, the faces of Hashem within Keter. And one is the, the side face, one is the direct face. But basically, it means that you're going from a lower level of light when you do it voluntarily to a higher level of light when you do it because you're obligated to do something. He quotes a Rav Natan of Breslov and he says, the, pur- the true purpose of the mitzvah is to bind a person to Hashem's fulfillment of the mitzvah. What does that mean? We said last week we were talking, and we can mention it exactly. We say that, that when it comes to Hashem, He does mitzvot, which we don't understand what that means. The rabbis tell us Hashem puts on tefillin. The rabbis tell us that Hashem buries the dead. The rabbis tell us Hashem clothes the, the, the people who need clothing. So it says, when a person does something that's a mitzvah, he's not only doing the mitzvah that he's commanded to do, but he's binding himself to God's act doing the same thing in whatever spiritual way God is doing that act. So when I, when I copy God, I bind myself to God. When I become a good person and help people, because God helps people, I bind myself to God. He said, and that's really the purpose of the mitzvot to bind myself and to connect to God. <clears throat> it's a little complicated. Um, so, so this person also, when he, when he gets this higher level, he also, he's worthy of Eretz Yisrael. He says that's what the Zohar says. The Eretz Yisrael requires a higher level. He says that's why we have Avram to Avraham. Avram initially was not commanded to do anything because... He didn't know who God was. God never told him anything. He, he's basically the son. He's, he's the son of Terach. And Terach seems to be an advisor to the king. And as an advisor to the king, he's probably an advisor on a high spiritual level, an astrological level, telling him things that are going to be or what's in the stars. Abraham apparently is, this, is the greatest astrologer in the world at the time. But he starts to search and search and say there must be something beyond. There must be a force driving the universe. And he comes to a conclusion that there's a God or there's a creator that not only created but continues to put energy into the, the universe. Now when he does that, he's preaching to the people to say, hey, when you're worshipping idolatry, when you're worshipping 
the, the angels or the forces, you have to realize that you're only worshipping the forces that are below. There's a force that governs them. Astrological forces have power. Angels in, 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 in times have power. If we know how to contact the angel and, and, and basically bribe the angel, we bribe the angel and the angel then does our bidding, but the angel is going to exact. He wants a... We have to pay a price at the end. The, the example that I used, I'd just bring it again, was the, a waiter in the restaurant. You go into a restaurant and the owner of the restaurant's not sitting there. And the waiter, you have a waiter. And you know this waiter and you're friends with the waiter and you slip him $100 when you walk in. And as you give him the 100 he slips it in his pocket and starts to bring you appetizers and everything else. In the end, your bill comes for two main courses, but all the drinks, all the appetizers, all the dessert on the house. Why? Because you tipped the waiter. That's Avodazara. I found the waiter who's not the owner, but he's able, if I pay him off, to give me what I need. That's the dark side. If we go to Star Wars, that's the dark side. Going through the dark side, going through the back door. I get something from it. But the, but, and I think that there's no owner. But in reality, the owner's there, and the owner could see what you're doing. Please. So, or the, or the two sets of angels. No. no, 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 no. So what, what allows the angel to do the bidding is the system. Here, here's what I mean. The system is that you, you're, you're, you're asked, for example, as Jews, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, I am God, you're God. So we're asked to believe in God, okay? So believe in God, I have free choice to believe in God. If I walk into the Ben HaMikdash, the temple, and I see in the temple ten miracles every time I come in, the miracles that, that are listed in the Talmud that anyone could see. If I have a question and I go to a Kohen and he presses the Urim Vetumim and beep, 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 and I get my answer. Now what happens? God becomes very real. How could I not believe in God at that point? I have no freedom of decision. It's like if I took a gun and put it to your head and said, do something. You have no freedom of choice because the gun is by my head. If, if I turn the light on Saturday when I'm not supposed to and lightning strikes, guess what? I'm not going to turn the light on again. I lost my freedom of choice. So in a world where God is very real, what do we have to have? The dark side also has to be just as real and offer you just as many alternatives in that world. When God goes hiding, the dark side also gets hit hiding. Because the choice always has to be 50-50. I have to have free choice. So my free choice always has to be balanced. So the angels have, are, are carrying out God's will by doing uh, the bidding of the person. If they know how to... Yeah, I mean, even if we're going to say Satan, which is leading us to, to sin. He's the... He, when, when we get to when we get to, to what's it called to the Akedah, it says that an angel of, of God called to Abraham. Many of them, the Ben Ishchai says, who was that? Satan. What do you mean, Satan? You're calling him the angel of God? Yeah, he's the angel of God. Why is he doing what he's doing to push us in the test to overcome? He's happy when he loses because then he's done his job. That's all part of the system. 
as we understand. For us to grow. So if you, if you for example, if you, if you went to school and never took a test, you never know what you know. And also, if you never took a test, you never pushed. But in order to excel in life, sometimes we don't realize how strong we are until we're challenged. Once we're challenged, we see we could overcome it. And then we grow. And we go to the next level and the next level and the next level. Someone who goes to elementary school, they pass the test. Then they go to high school, you have to pass the test. Then to college, pass the test. After university, if you want to go to the next level, you want a master's, it's not so easy. You have to write your thesis. Then if you want a doctorate, you have to do it with... It just keeps going. So what happens is in order to grow in life, you have to have tests. If you don't have tests, then you never grow. So we don't want tests, but at the same time, without those tests, we can't, we can't grow. So, so the... The Zohar says on this parasha, it says, so sorry, so that's, that's really, so you see with, with, with regard to Avraham, Avraham in the beginning, in Ur, when he goes into, so now what happens, he goes into Ur Kasdim. What happens is he's preaching to the world, basically, there's, there's, a, there's a force. And this force is not only the creator, this force is also driving us to God. Now what happens is, Nimrod says, no, I'm the force. I don't want any other force. I'm the force. So, Abraham's father basically goes to Nimrod and says, my son is a traitor. Now imagine if you're Abraham and your father is the one who turns you in. And what do they do to Abraham? Throw him in the fire or challenge and say, either you go in the fire. Then Ur Kasdim had a furnace where they used to burn sacrifices to the gods. And they're going to throw him in this fire. Or, and it was a place that was worshipping the moon, so they probably did it at night, and imagine this giant fire at night and up to the moon, and they're going to throw him in the fire. He goes into the fire because he says, no, that's what it is. If I die, I die. But he wasn't commanded to go in the fire. So the credit that he gets for going into the fire is not as great as the credit that he gets when God tells him, lech lecha. The beginning of this week's portion is he tells them, Lech Lecha, leave your household, your father's house, your country, your birthplace, etc., and go to the place that I will show you. He doesn't tell him where to go. That's very hard. Could you just imagine someone tells you, get in the car and go somewhere? Where? I'm not going to tell you. Just go. Oh, okay. Which way? Go south. Okay. Well, what? Yeah. Was Abraham they originally living in, in Babylon and then they went to Ur-Kastim for this uh, So obviously there's there's different opinions of the Rishonim that was he born were they, was he born in Haran was he born in Haran and then they went to Ur-Kastim and then they came back to Haran and then they went to Eretz Israel or were they born in Ur-Kastim went to Haran and then from Haran went to Eretz Israel. The problem, yeah, we have one problem. The problem we have, I, I guess, is the, the ages. Because Abraham, if, if Sarah is actually Abraham's niece, and she's the daughter of Haran, who's also the father of Lot, it means that Haran had children when he was seven. So we're not sure how that works. Because he still dies, Haran, when there's only 10 years be, between Abraham and, and, uh, and Sarah. 
and he dies while they're still in Haran. So he has to be six or seven when he gets someone pregnant. Wait, yeah, yeah, that, that's what I was saying. So we don't know if she's really his niece. Haran is Abraham's brother. Exactly. So he, he, could, he could be older than Seth. No, it, but, his, but Sarah is, is ten years younger than Abraham. That we know. Right, but Haran wouldn't have been... Abraham's older than Haran. Let's say Abraham's... Wait, 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 sorry. Let's go simple. Abraham... Um, Abraham is, is two. He's the oldest. Or Abraham's one. Haran is born the next year. Right? Abraham's one. Well, Abraham's now two. Haran is one. Abraham's ten. Haran is nine. At that point, Haran has to have a daughter. Because Sarah is ten years younger than Abraham. You got it? It's a problem. Okay. I, I don't have an answer, but that's a problem. I, I, don't know, I don't know if many people bring the problem up, but it's, it's a problem. So we don't know if... We don't know. We, we're interpreting that Sarah is the daughter of Haran. The Pasuk doesn't say that. Same problem with Rizzo. She was three when the whole incident happened. Or she got her soul, and her soul was three years... The soul that she had at the time was three years old. Okay. Can't tell you. There's definitely problems, and I didn't, I didn't figure them all out. So let's go to the Zohar on the Perasha. It says, Lech lecha. God says to Abraham, Go for your own sake. It says, Go away from the land, from your birthplace, from your father's house. Lech lecha. Go to you, which we translated. Rabbi Elazar said, Go for your own sake from here to fix your soul and to advance the spiritual level of your soul. Hashem instructs Avram to depart from his present spiritual course. That's what Lech Lecha is about. Change your spiritual course by engaging in mitzvot and good deeds that he will fulfill in the land of Israel. It is there he'll succeed in attaining heights that he couldn't previously reach. It's not fitting for you to be here among these wicked people. Even though they did not influence Avram to emulate them, God told him the evil which surrounded him tainted his soul. If you're in a bad neighborhood, if you're in a place with disease, get out. The Zohar says, an alternative translation of the words lech lecha, go to yourself, which we said, lech lecha, go to yourself. The Zohar, go in order to know yourself. Hashem is telling Abraham, grasp the root of your soul so that you can perfect yourself through revealing the root of your soul down in this world. What the Zohar is saying here is that every one of us has an image in heaven of what we could potentially be and an image below. And our goal in life is to reach, to make our image below match the image above. When a person achieves that, we hear in the Torah, Avraham, Avraham, meaning the Avraham below has now achieved to match the Avraham above. That's what we see Yaakov, Yaakov, Moshe, Moshe, Shmuel, Shmuel. Those are all the cases the Zohar says that a person below has to try to achieve what's above. The Zohar continues, Go away from your land, from your birthplace, from your father's house. Why the repetition? Why three things? He says, isn't it just sufficient? God says, go out of your land. What do you need to have all these? So the Zohar says that Hashem is speaking to the neshama of Abraham, the soul of Abraham which is above, prior to its descent into the body. And this is what we're going to talk about as we go. 
He says, go away from your heavenly abode. So he's basically telling a soul that's sitting in heaven. Okay, soul, you're happy up here in heaven. But guess what? You need to leave home. Home is heaven. You need to leave the house of your father in the heaven, in the physical sense, and go to the physical world below from the storehouses of the souls above. And you have to then take the body and go into a lower level, which is the lower level of the body. Zor Hadash on Noach says, from your land refers to the level of Gan Eden. From your father's house refers, refers to the higher level of Gan Eden. Garden of Eden higher and lower. To the land that I'm going to show you, and that's earth. So the neshama, the soul, doesn't want to leave heaven. So God has to push the soul to leave. The Zohar Hadash continues, The head of the academy began his discourse by citing the verse, Hashem said to Avraham, Lech lecha for your own sake. Why? Because this would enlighten him and this would make him grow in this world. Rashi, interesting, says that there's a problem when you leave your place. God's telling him everything's going to be great. But when a person travels, it diminishes procreation. And what does Abraham want to have more than anything else? A child. And it diminishes money. And we see it actually diminishes money. Because what happened? As soon as he leaves with his money, it's all gone because there's a famine. And he has no money. And in order to get to Egypt, he's actually borrowing money. And it diminishes fame. So the three things that God promises, you're going to be famous, you're going to have children, and you're going to have money, under normal circumstances, going on the road in those days, would diminish those things. But the Zohar also tells us, which we see in the Gemara, that a person who does not succeed and says, this is a lesson, in one place, should pick themselves up and go to another place. Because, it quotes the Gemara, Shinui makom, Shinui mazal. person changes their place, they change their luck. Which Gemara is that? Gemara is in Rosh Hashanah 16b, Baba Metziah 75b. Yeah. Hmm? Baba Metziah 75b. Okay. You say something? Yeah. The, the act of actually changing Makom, uh, it changes your Mazal. Hmm. How is that achieved? Is it just by being in a different place? Uh, the cosmic order is different? Or so, so there are a number of things the Gemara says changes a person's mazal. One of the, and that's why we say to someone, mazal tov, mazal tov. What does mazal tov come from? It comes from someone doing an act that has the potential to change his mazal. And therefore, we bless the person, mazal tov, have good fortune. When a person moves his place is one. When a person has a child... Changes a person's mazal. That's why when a person has a baby, you say, mazal tov. When a person gets married, it changes the mazal tov. Why? So in the, in, the, in the marriage, you can understand because the soul is interacting with another soul and then that's going to change the mazal because he's combining. When a person has a child, he's also, also changing because he's coming to a new thing. When he changes his place, it could have to do with, the, with, with cosmic forces affecting where he is. Then we say, Makom Zeman La'asot. So sometimes you have to be in a certain place at the right time. But even if you're in the right place at the right time, you have to make the decision to go ahead and do it, or else. Opportunity passes. 
That's it. And once it's gone, it's gone. So, it continues. Back to, so back to the Zohar. It says, so it says, again, quoting this pasuk, Lech uh, Lecha. The Meor Naim states as follows, it is known, ki Torah, that the Torah is given to every single person. Degel Machane Ephraim writes, the Torah is eternal and is relevant and applicable to every individual in every period of time. So the statement, Lech Lecha, is not only God telling Abraham, He's telling us, every single person ever born, Lech Lecha, go to yourself. It says, go for yourself from the land applies to all individuals in all generations. It says, but what do we learn from here? The Zohar Hadash says, these pesukim apply to every neshama that descends from the heavenly realm of the world of neshamot to this world to clothe themselves in a physical body. So the neshama that's in shamayim, every neshama is told, lech lecha, go, and put yourself in a body. Okay? Don't really want to go. So Hashem's statement to Avram is elucidated as Hashem's directive to every neshama. This neshama that is to act as a father figure to educate the physical body. He's telling the neshama, you have to go, you have a job. Hashem instructs the neshama to leave where it is in heaven and to enter a particular body. When the Torah tells us that Abraham went, this refers to the journey of the neshama from its place on high to the designated body below. Please. Hmm? Uh, is the neshama is pre-existed? Is it something that they are reincarnated from one generation to another? How, what is it exactly? So, so, so the, on one foot. Uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> the, the neshama as we understand, okay. Okay, we understand the neshama is a part of Hashem. Basically, imagine for a second if you blow into a balloon or you blow into glass. The person blowing, part of his breath goes into this object. So the person's breath is part of him. So the neshama is, is considered the breath of Hashem. That's why sometimes we say, Havel Havalim. What is Havel really? It means the breath. It's the breath of Hashem. That's what we are. It means that, but, but, what, but it's interesting. But really, what does it mean? It means the breath, because we're really the breath of Hashem. So we're the breath of Hashem. So we're a connection of Hashem, a part of Hashem. The soul, basically, there's... there's okay, just again, we have to talk in physical terms, because we, we don't understand in spiritual terms. There's something called a kisea kavod. There's a chair, God's throne. Under the throne, which is at the highest level of heaven, under that throne in the highest level of heaven, there's another level of heaven, and that level of heaven is where the angels, the archangels are, which is Michael, Gabriel, Nuriel, okay, and uh, Raphael, those four, and has the repository of souls. Below that are other angels, and that's the controlling forces of the world, the angel that's on top of the, the, the tree and the mountain and the this and the that. And then you come lower and lower until you get to our world. Now, the soul that's in our body is still primarily up in heaven. A piece of that soul, which is in heaven connected to all of Knesset Israel, all the souls are connected in some way. 
a piece of that soul, like is in our body, connected by a string to our major soul in heaven. So when we go to sleep at night, for example, in some way, our soul reconnects as long as that string is attached. It reconnects to that soul that's up in heaven. Now, yes, and then the quickly reincarnation. So basically what happens is we're sent to this world in order to, to earn our... To, basically, God wants to give us. He just wants to give and give and give and give. But the problem is if someone gives and gives and gives and you can't do anything in return, you don't want it anymore because you become ashamed, become something we call bread of shame. So what, what does God do in order to make a system that we can tolerate, not because God needs it, he gives us a job in this world that when we succeed, we feel successful and therefore we earn. God wants to give us, but we don't want to be given without working. So God created the job for us to do, to overcome certain things and reach a certain level. Now, we pass away after 120 years, we go up to heaven and we see the videotape. And you watch the videotape and you see everything you did wrong and you say, I. And you have a choice at that point. You can go to hell, literally, okay? Or you can come back to fix what you messed up. When you come back to fix what you messed up, you're the one who's suggesting to the court, this is what I should do. So you write the script for your own life. So whatever's happening to you here, don't blame anyone. You wrote the script. Because you're here to fix what you said you needed to fix in the last lifetime. And that's what we're doing here. That's basic. Very, very powerful. So now Hashem is telling these souls, go down, because you have a job, this is what you're going to do. Leave heaven, go, do, go to the earth, because the only place to earn is here. The soul in heaven can't earn, can't do anything, because it doesn't have freedom of choice. The biggest thing we have to realize in Bereshit, the biggest statement in Bereshit is, Na'ase Adam Bisalmenu. Hashem says to the angels, Na'ase Adam Bisalmenu, let us make man in our image. It's crazy. What do you mean? He's talking to the angels to say, we're going to make man? No. The angels are telling God, are you crazy? You're going to make man? Man is worthless. You're going to make man? It doesn't make sense. Because man, if you give him free will, he could rebel against you. How could you create a creature to rebel against you? It's like me making, a, from Terminator, me making the, the robot that comes back to kill me. I'm not going to do that. So God is making man with free will that allows man to rebel against God. That's what the angels can't understand. But the only way we have free choice is if we could rebel. The only way we could earn is if we have free choice. And it goes back to the 50-50. So, we go, Hashem tells Avram, go to the land that I, El Eka, to the land that I'm going to show you. He says, what was the reason that Hashem didn't tell him the land? Where he's sending him? Why didn't he tell him? You know, you get the ways. This is your destination. Why doesn't he give him a destination? More reward. Hmm? More reward. More reward. That's, so that's the answer that Rashi says. 
He didn't reveal to him the land immediately. In order that it should be beloved in his land. And to give him reward on every word and word. Which he takes from the, the Midrash. Which says he gets Zechar on every step. He gets this, because he doesn't know where he's going. He gets reward for every step. But even if he knows where he's going, he should get reward for every step. So how do you have that answer? Because it's more faith to take a step not knowing where you're going. That's it. It's all about faith. It's how about the risk taking also? The risk, the biggest risk. Yeah. He loses, because the, he would lose everything, which we see. Because remember what happens. God tells him, leave. He leaves. He gets to Eretz Israel. And then what happens? Remember, he leaves. It says he left with kol ha-rechusha, all the property that he earned, meaning he went with his money and he went with all of his people and he gets to the land and guess what? There's no food. So he starts to pay with his money. And then his people start disappearing him because hey, Abraham doesn't have any food. And then what is he going to do? God just told me to come to this land. And once he told me to come to this land, what am I going to do? I have no food. I have to leave the land and go to Egypt. But he didn't tell him specific land. That's right. But he knew that this is, he knew this is the land. He understood when he got to the land and he circled the whole land because that's the way we're going to inherit it. So he says, the Midrash needs further explanation. Even if Hashem revealed the land to Avram, he still would have deserved to be rewarded for every step. After all, he took this incredible journey because of incredible faith and because Hashem told him to do so. So what additional reward is there with him not knowing? So he says, Hashem's instructions, El ha'aretz asher ereka, to the land that I will show you, contains a valuable message concerning the way to serve Hashem. He says, I wrote, look, first at Abraham, Ur Kasdim, astrology. Oh, I explained this already before. I said, look, look, at, look at his life. Look at his life. He goes from Ur Kasdim, when he's thrown into the fire. He leaves. He comes to Eretz Israel. There's no food. He has to go to Egypt. Okay, we'll get food in Egypt. Gets into Egypt. What happens? Take away his wife. His wife gets taken away. She's going to say, say you're my brother so I don't get killed. He thinks he's going to get killed. He must have been sitting there for days thinking he's going to get killed. And then she, ta- they, she goes. And then all of a sudden God makes a miracle, gives her back. He goes back to the land. Now he has a lot of money. Oh, life is great. It's all over. No worries ever again. As soon as he comes back into the land with all the money, what happens? His nephew who's been with him his whole life, boop, separates. His nephew goes one way, he goes another way because of the money. His nephew goes to live in Sodom. Sodom goes to war. His nephew is taken hostage. What does Abraham have to do? Go to war. Okay, life is not easy. After, it's one thing after another, and then there's another famine, and he has to go again to the, to, to the Pelishtim. He has Hagar, and he has Yishmael, and God tells him to send Yishmael away. He doesn't have an easy minute. What's going on? It says that we have to understand through our journey in life. He says, if we, examine, if we examine man's lifelong journey in this world from the moment of his birth, his very first breath until his neshama leaves his body and returns, we find that the entire journey is shrouded in mystery. Nobody knows what's going to be tomorrow. 
Will his journey be smooth, straightforward, complicated, full of obstacles? Will the course be steady? Nobody knows. He says, a human being is incapable of solving this great mystery from the very onset. Where will he be required to spend his life? What ordeals and experiences will he have to endure? What mission has Hashem given him in his lifetime? So he says, what is the reason Hashem tells Avraham El Ha'aretz Asher, to the land that I'm going to show you? He's not only talking to Avraham. He's talking to us. He's telling to us, life is a journey, and you have to go on the journey, and I'm going to show you eventually. But while you're on the journey, you have no idea where this step is going to take you because you don't know what challenge you're going to face tomorrow. That's all part of the journey I'm sending you on that I need you to do for yourself because the benefactor of the journey is us. Benefic- beneficiary. Thank you. It's essential for all observant to, to, to remember that the key to unraveling these mysteries and uncertainties was already revealed by Hashem to Avraham Avinu. Avraham was confronted by a world full of idol worship. He shattered the idols of his father, Terach. He merited to reveal the presence of God. With Hashem's first revelation to Avraham, he confronts Avraham with the following provocative directive. Leave and go to where I'm going to show you. With these words, Hashem provides Avram with the secret code to unravel and solve all of life's mysteries and uncertainties. These four words, El Ha'aretz Asher Ereka, to the land that I'm going to show you. In other words, God is saying, don't imagine that I'm going to reveal to you at the very beginning where you're destined to go and what challenges you have to overcome. These matters are concealed, only God knows. He knows all the secrets. But he promises us that whatever path we are on in life, Hashem is there, El Ha'aretz Asher Eka, the land I will show you. You're not alone. Abraham, you're not alone. Whatever you got to deal with, I'm with you. And he's not talking to Abraham. He's talking to every one of us. For on your own, you'll be able to navigate your proper path in life he says, he says, oh, he says, if you were on your own, you can't navigate. You're going to stray. You're going to go this way. You're going to be a lost sheep. You don't know to go left or right. So Hashem is saying, don't worry. Even if you don't know I'm there, my hand is on your shoulder and I'm there. I'm next to you. I'm guiding you in the, direct, the correct direction until you arrive at the, 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 the correct destination. Right, for sure. That's, that's how he starts. He says, only if you're observant. If you're following the rules. If you're following the rules, I'm with you. If you're not following the rules, it means you've rejected me. If you've rejected me, you don't want me with you. So I'm going to tell you, okay, go with whoever you want. But if you want me with you, I'm there. Goes further. This statement, El Ha'aretz Asher, to the, to the place that I will show you, echoes continuously throughout space and time. It's as if, so you know they have this like uh, 
this uh, this uh, I don't know how it works. You know, they, the, the, this thing speaking into space, basically sending a message into space in case there's aliens, right? right. You know, we are man, we are friendly, we are man, we are friendly. <laughs> it just keeps going over and over and over again and again and again. How do we know the aliens we're hoping. No, I don't know. Yeah, I thought it's beep, 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 beep. Isn't it beep, 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 something like that. Okay. So anyway, God, basically what he's saying is that you have to understand that from the time of Matan Torah, the voice of God is speaking and continuing to speak and never stops. So if we imagine there's a radio show. Now, do you hear the radio show? No, but if I tune my radio into the radio show, I can hear them. Does that mean if I don't tune, there's no radio show? There is a radio show. The reason I don't hear the radio show is because not tuned in. I'm not tuned into the radio show. So what, we're, what they're saying to us 2,000 years ago, before they had a concept of radio show, is that God's voice is going constantly. And our only problem is... We're not tuned in. Tuning in to the voice to hear it. And that voice is saying, is saying to us, it says, Kol Rabbi Lo Pasav, all these statements he brings to show the, that the, the Gemara brings, that, that, that the voice is saying, I'm here, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. We just have to tune in. So we, we see, it says, in, it says at Matan Torah, it says, Et ha-devarim ha-ele, diber Hashem el kol ke'alchem, Hashem spoke to all, what does that mean? Didn't stop. It says, It didn't pause. So these are saying that the voice is going. We just have to tune in. This provides insight into what the Zohar Hadash is saying. Saying the first directive to Abraham was, Go, and this should reverberate throughout the universe for all generations. Everyone who descends from Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov and is destined to be born into the world hears the voice of Hashem. And it's issuing with this directive, Go to where I'm going to show you. Whenever a person is uncertain, this is very interesting, as to which path to take, you come to a fork in the road. Every single day of your life, there's a fork in the road. Which course of studies to pursue, which business activity to get involved in, he must tune into his spiritual hearing to receive the voice, to hear. You're going to hear which way to go. Be patient, tune in, focus, you'll hear. It's similar to mindfulness also. But, but it's up to us. It's not, you know, the, what was that book, The Secret, right? You could go where, but it's not, but, but, but you, have, you have to do something in order to do it. You have to connect. You can't connect without making the effort to connect. You have to earn the connection. That's the difference between the force and the dark side. The dark side is, no, let me just pay the, the bribe, and I go. The other is, no, I have to do something to connect. It says that really, if you, if you look at it, I said it's ways for life. The key is tuning in. We all know people, or even meet people who are tuned in. There's a lesson conveyed by the Midrash. It discusses Hagar. So we see Hagar is the, is the concubine, or I don't know what we're going to call her, the surrogate, surrogate wife, or right, mother. So what happened? Princess from Egypt as well? So the Midrash tells us she was the daughter of Pharaoh, 
and he sent her to be the servant of Abraham to learn from him as opposed to staying in Egypt. It's also a stretch. Okay, but, but it's telling you how great Abraham was that... So it says, it says, et eneha. God opened up her eyes. And she sees the well of water. Now the problem is, what do you mean? She's sitting there. There's no water. Her son is going to die. She moves him away so she shouldn't see him die. I can't look at my son dying. I'm going to let him die of, of, uh, of thirst a hundred yards away where I can't see him. And then God opens up her eyes and she sees the well. Did God create a new well? No. The well was always there. She just couldn't see it. She didn't see it. It says that, and she sees the well of water, and she goes, and she fills up the, the, the bag with water, and she gives him to drink. Everyone in the world is blind until God opens up our eyes. Just like it says, God opened her eyes. The well was always there. We just need God's help to open our eyes. Along a person's journey, he's going to look for water or any other needs. He has to remember every time he gets to the fork in the road, God, you said, to the land that you're going to show me. Show me which way to go. According to the word of Hashem, they would journey. That's when B'nai Israel were in the desert. Whatever Hashem would say, they would, they would go. He says that the problem we have today is because of our sins, because of what we've done to separate ourselves from Hashem, we put up uh, a wall between us. We put up a wall and we can't connect and we end up being blind with no one giving us the information. But that's not because God is not sending the information down. God is sending the information. What did we do? We created static. We created the wall. So it's up to us to remove the static, to remove the wall by doing what's right in the world. He says to do this, we have to reestablish our relationship. That's it. We have to reach out and say, yes, I want you in my life. I want you to connect with me. I want you to show me which way to go. This will guarantee the fulfillment of the, of the remainder of the promise. I will make you into a great nation. And I, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. This ties us into what the Shelah Kadosh teaches us concerning a Pasuk in Bamidbar. It says the Torah states that Ben Israel journeyed and encamped according to Hashem's command. Subsequently, it states that they first encamped and then they journeyed exactly like Hashem said. The Shelah Kadosh derives from these verses that one should have in mind and request his assistance with every one of his endeavors. You know why people you meet say, every time you see someone, you say, I'm going to try to do this. Bezrat Hashem. Uh, and uh, upon arriving at one's destination, someone says, thank God I arrived here. Baruch Hashem, I got here. He says that when a person accustomizes themselves to doing it and thinking about it, then the person is constantly connecting to God. So we were at dinner, we were having dinner with someone on Friday night, and it was interesting because he must have said a hundred times, no, sure, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. It was so interesting how it was such and he's a regular guy. I mean, but it was so so part of his uh, everything he said, and he really meant it. 
He wasn't just saying it, he really meant it. So following this advice and having Hashem in mind as we begin and conclude every activity we undertake, this is based on B'nai Israel saying, Al pi Hashem Yisuve, Al pi Hashem Yachanu. But because, through the word of God you go, and through the word of God you rest. That was over 40 years. <clears throat> 40 years in the desert. So you're always saying that, Bezrat Hashem, Baruch Hashem, always saying, continually thinking, I need God's help everywhere I'm going. It says, continuing this way, we have to we have we understand why Hashem told Avraham and his offspring. He says, "What happened?" He says, "El He didn't reveal the destination because then we become dependent on God and His kindness for every step of the way. And if we don't know where we're going, if we're unsure, if we know we need, then we turn to God. But when we think we know. And when we think we don't need, and when we think we have everything, then we don't. So it's interesting that that the Zohar is saying that God forces you to need in order to keep your connection. It's hard. Because if I have everything, I forget. We say six hundred and thirteen mitzvot were commanded by Moshe, and then along comes Chavakuk and he says, "V'sadik be'emunato yichia." A sadik by his faith he will live. So is he saying that you don't need all the mitzvot anymore? You only need one mitzvah. Sounds like a different religion, right? <laughs> you only need what? Have faith in God, and everything else is good. The Maharal explains that what the Gemara is saying. It says, Ki al through faith, yesh adam devikut ki en. It says that through, through faith, a person will have attachment to God because, because this is the, the essence of, of faith. Rak devikut bo yiparach, shehu ma'amin bo, umit dabek bo yiparach memunato. He says that this is the connection that a person has to connect with Hashem. The Zohar Chadash says, we have 248 mitzvot, 365 mitzvot. Why 613 mitzvot? It says, each of the parts of our body are connected to an equivalent place in heaven. All of this is to create a connection. So he's saying that Chavakuk's statement that, that, that through faith a person lives is that when we fulfill the mitzvot, we're connecting to God, and that's the essence of faith. Believing that all of our needs and existence depend only on God results in a person's constant connection with God. We see that this intimate connection with Hashem is the conduit that sustains those who maintain this type of intimate relationship with Hashem. Therefore, concerning emunah and Hashem, which creates the intimate attachment, the pasuk states, "V'sadik ve'emunato Christ's person will live because of faith. If we take a moment to consider the matter, it's clear that the source of man's connection with God, the conduit of life, hinges on man's awareness that his livelihood and success depend solely on God. Once we forget that, we're doomed. Because that's the only way we keep the constant connection. The guy who needs something is the guy who prays. That's a problem. You know, they say, which prayer is better? The lady, you know, you know the, 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 there's... There's, there's a story, you know, there's a guy who prays every single day. And then there's the lady whose husband is in the mine, and the mine crashed. And they told her, the mine crashed, we don't know if we're going to save them. 
What does she do? She starts crying to heaven. She has a perfect prayer. But what's the difference? The guy who comes every single day, comes every day. He's there every day. He's part of the house. The lady comes once in a blue moon. It's a big difference. It says, what do we have to do? We have to come every single day. One of the reasons that we had man that only fell enough for the day is so that every day we would say we need more food tomorrow. One of the reasons that we have to go every day to work, etc., is because that connects us on some level to God. The farmer who needs rain is always looking up to heaven. So, so, so Hashem is giving us these things in order to create a connection because when we create the connection, then he, we're hearing and then we're going in the right path. But all of it is interconnected. If we take a moment to consider the matter, it's clear that the source of man's connection with Hashem, the conduit of life, hinges on man's awareness that his livelihood and success depends solely on Hashem. For the moment that a person believes that he's responsible and deserves credit for his own success, he no longer requires this intimate connection. It's over. She says, he becomes detached. And we read, Watch out, because you're going to forget God. Because you're going to eat. And you're going to build houses. And you're going to have a good life. He says, and what's going to happen? Ve'yashavta, and you're going to sit, and you're going to have tons of sheep, and cattle, and money, and gold, and children. He says, and it's going to be so much. Ve'ram levavcha, and your heart's going to get high. He says, ve'shachachta et Hashem elokecha, and you're going to forget God who took you out of Egypt. Ve'amarta bilvavecha, and you're going to say in your heart, kochi, my strength, ve'otzim yadi, the power of my hand, asali etachayel hazeh. Did all of this. Ah, I'm a success because I work hard. Vizacharta, and then eventually goes, he says, oh, it's all going to go. And only then, Vizacharta Tashem Elokecha, Kihu Hanoten Lecha Koach Lasorchaya. Then you're going to remember. This is what Moshe, this is the last thing that Moshe is telling us before he dies. Watch out, people, because you're going to get rich and you're going to think it all came from you and you're going to say, Sayonara, God. Yeah, exactly. Yeshurun, right, Yeshurun, right? says, Now come and see what we learned from the Maharal in Prague. He teaches us that praying to Hashem depends on the awareness of a person praying that it's impossible to exist in the world without, without receiving what Hashem gives us every day. We're not able to live unless we're plugged in. If Hashem unplugs us at any point, it's over. It says we have to have this constant awareness to connect. Three times a day we say modim, thank you God. What is the words? Al chayinu for our lives. Hamisurim biyadecha that are that are sitting in your hands. Ve'al nishmoteno hapekudot lach our souls which are belong to you. Ve'al nisecha and on your miracles. Shebechol yom imanu that are every day with us. Every day we live is a miracle. Ve'al nifloatecha ve'tovotecha and on your wonders and good deeds. Shebechol et erev v'boke v'saharayim every moment of the day. If we don't have you, we can't exist. The Chatam Sofer says, when we drink water, after we drink water, we say, Bore nefashot rabot v'chesronan. Thank you, God, for creating so many people and that which we are lacking. Chesronan. What do you mean? We're thanking God because we have needs? Yes, because if we didn't have needs, we wouldn't turn to God. 
He says that it's crucial to turn to God and to know that that's, that that's what it's about. The chesronan, the deficiencies, force us to seek out Hashem. <coughs> and only when we understand that we have deficiencies that force us to, under, to, to, to turn to Hashem, can we say, Baruch Hai HaOlamim. Blessed is Hashem who nourishes the, the universe. Based on what we learn, we can understand why Hashem chose not to reveal the intended destination to Abraham at the beginning of the journey. Had He given him this information, Abraham would, have had, would, have, would not have needed to remain connected to Hashem with every step of the way because he would have known where he's going. If I don't know where I'm going, I have to look at every single step, meaning I have to connect with every single step to Hashem. Therefore, Hashem chose to guide Hashem blindly. We also shed light on the statement that, that why didn't Hashem reveal to Abraham his ultimate destination in order to make precious in his eyes that the reward for each and every step. Because every step he was turning to God. So every step he's entitled to reward. By not revealing the land to Abraham, he's forced to remain connected with Hashem with each step in order to receive constant directions. If the ways goes off, I'm lost. Where, where do I go? You really need to have the, the connection to Hashem that all the time. And if you, fe- you have to feel almost that if, if the ways goes off, I'm lost. If I'm not connected to Hashem, I'm lost in my life. We could also appreciate how this matter is relevant to every single one of us without exception. We learn from the Zohar Chadash that what this Lech Lecha is telling is each of our souls, leave your soul house, leave where you are in heaven, go down to the earth, you have a job to do. I'm not telling you what the job is. You're going to have to figure it out. And each step of the way is the journey. And you're going to have to learn each step of the way of the journey. And as you learn each step of the way of the journey, you're going to gain something. But remember, I'm always with you. As long as you keep turning back and looking up to me, I'm always with you. I'm always going to help you. I'm always going to guide you. I remember my rabbi used to always speak about the journey. He said that a person has to appreciate the journey. The journey is what life is about. It says that a person has to be able then, once he realizes this, he can utter the words, he could thank Hashem for what he has. We have to remember that our path is the one we've been, we've been commanded to take. Hashem sent us on this path. This is what we're supposed to do. We have to do it. So I just want to close. I saw a rabbi write this. I thought, saw this was very interesting. He said, Abraham was the first to take a journey, but not the last. The Lech Lecha calls... Uh, the Lech Lecha call resounds through history and it beckons to each and every one of us. Will you have a life driven by existential interests or one aspiring transcendence? Each moment of our lives, each encounter, we have two choices. We always are at a fork. To be the mediocre or to be great. Will you follow your selfish immediate needs or will you transcend your natural self and reach beyond yourself to your essence, who you really are? You, there's, there's the you, the potential you. Will you see that potential you? Will you just suffice with the confines of the forces that have shaped you, or will you be, go beyond? Each of us goes through our life journey. We come to a fork in the road. We face the question many times. Reading the story of Abraham is a tremendous inspiration. Abraham's story is our story. Abraham, the father of all nations, the first man to discover transcendence, teaches us that the only real response to doubts and confusion is to embrace our unwavering calling. Abraham began the journey 3,747 years ago, and it looks like we are poised to conclude it. Our generation may be it. 
Lech Lecha is the immortal call to Abraham to set out on a journey that would defy the very nature of existence, to reach heaven and beyond and bring it back to earth. What journey are we taking in our lives? Are we trapped in our comfort zones? What fears and uncertainties keep, keep us paralyzed? If you cannot find the answer, begin looking now. Listen to the Lech Lecha call, begin your journey. Every experience in our life offers us an opportunity to achieve greatness. Will we rise to the occasion? Cool. Thank you. Thank you.